You're listening to Co-op Mood, a casually serious conversation about playing video games. This is episode six, Myers-Briggs, but video games. Here we go. I'm Sally. You can find me on Twitter at Sally T. And I'm Shane. You can find me on Twitter at Mundangerous. I, we're switching up the intro. It's no more let's do this. I don't know. I was trying to switch it up because let's do this was like, I felt like uh, a varsity athlete. Only one way to. Right, be, right. Only one solution. Right before the big game. Twitter. Twitter is the solution. <laughs> Hashtag here we go. Hashtag let's do this. Winner take all. <laughs> Follow me at YouTube at Let's Do This. Here we, here okay, we go sounds um, like Mario. Here we go. It, yeah, God, it really does. We have to start completely over. What should I say instead of Let's Do This? No, we're not stopping. Let's keep going. Oh, is this going to be in the this episode? This is the episode. Okay, well, Shane, we like to start each episode talking about a ridiculous decision I made about our introduction. But since we already did that, we are now going to talk about a piece of news from the world of video games. And our item this week involves uh, the video game Crucible, which was released in May by Amazon. Uh Uh-huh. And it was unreleased in June. (laughs) Very, very short shelf life for ye old Crucible game. Uh, So Crucible, according to an article from May in Kotaku by Zach Zuizen, uh is part Overwatch, part League of Legends, with aesthetics that reminded me of Electronic Arts Anthem. Uh, a bit of a mishmash there, uh-huh. although certainly, certainly something that you'd think would skyrocket to popularity, considering that uh, you log in and you play against other people, you get matched up, which is is a thing that folks are doing a lot of these days. Okay, so I I think what crucible was and i didn't play it very deeply and in fact i've only installed it since i found out it was going so it's going back to beta is basically what it's doing and so access is going to be limited so i was like oh better get in there now <laughs> like might want to play this game at some point in the forever love that because uh, it probably won't come out but um but basically it, it was a kind of a blend of like overwatch and more like MOBA based like environment gameplay, right? So less mm-hmm. of the team fight hero shooter that Overwatch is and more of like the, you know, in your lane kind of MOBA experience that League of Legends is, but all driven by heroes. Mm-hmm. Thing is it's very bland. Like it just doesn't feel special. Um that's sort of what everyone plays it that I've spoken to about it has said. Um and so it didn't really draw any distinction. I don't think it did a great job of reaching out through streamer through streamers to really promote it. Because if you want your game to go big, you need to get streamers to play it so that people see it and play, understand how to do it, and then go play. Right? Um, like that's the way you launch a game like this, especially one that's mm-hmm. dependent on the user base to actually work. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of gumption to create a game that is going to break into a space that's already so dominated by so many games that have an incredibly loyal base and you'd think that if anyone could do it it would be a company with just a bottomless pit of money like amazon yeah. but <laughs> apparently not I think they just put the money in the wrong place right like I, I don't know um i'm certainly not a developer or a marketer but uh that that's sort of my quick read on it was it wasn't very fun to play and it wasn't marketed in a way that was going to get people to give it a fair shot um Mm -hmm. yeah and also it was up against valorant right it was up against riot's own version of a of a hero shooter um that was slowly building a ton of press over months and then it just came out Mm -hmm. no one even knew that it was in development until it showed up on their amazon homepage. (laughs) (laughs) right totally um yeah so 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 they're unreleasing it and they're only allowing people who have already played it to play it i believe they're entering like a closed beta And the idea is that they're going to ask everyone what they don't like about the game and then presumably uh, revamp it and re-release it. Uh, Hey, I I am (laughs) sympathetic that if you put tens or hundreds of millions of dollars into a game and it does not open up strongly, that you need to go rework your model. So I kind of want to say props to them for recognizing that this game is not going to be the smash hit that they thought and doing the Mm -hmm. work to try and fix that because they... A lot of developers have no choice but to do that and then try to do other things. 
you mm-hmm. mentioned Anthem. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, right? Like <laughs> Fallout 76 yeah. was for a long time a meme because it was so bad at launch and it didn't get better for years. And now it's kind of mm-hmm. playable, I hear. I, I won't go back because mm-hmm. they, they scuffed the launch. But, um, you know, I, so you got to do something, right? Like the money's already spent. You got to try to figure out some way to salvage something out of it. So hopefully they make a good game because that would be good. A good game is good. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of good games. <laughs> good games are always like, good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting, like, t- to me, what goes into the decision to, like, be like, all right, well, let's back up and try this again versus, like, uh, like sunk cost, fuck it, let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and it feels like a very uh, right now thing that companies can do just because you get so much feedback. And um, I, I feel like a lot of games um, that rely on these, like, ongoing releases, uh, games as a service games, rely on a really really active and vocal user base on like reddit or other forums and when enough people like point out a bug or complain about a thing a lot of times like those things will get dealt with um which is you know it's interesting it's not just gonna be well i guess we'll see but it could just have become like the et video game of 2020 and just be terrible and live on in infamy but perhaps it'll get re-released as something better who knows i suspect it will not be remembered if it isn't re-released and much better i think it will just be a footnote of the history of 2020 and (laughs) you know um i feel bad for the people who probably put a ton of work into it but you know it is what it is yeah absolutely all right well uh stay stick with us for crucible watch 2020 (laughs) we'll bring you all those updates 2021 (laughs) at this point (laughs) yeah yeah crucible watch 2022 ish Um, all right, so let's talk about what we're playing right now. Uh, Shane, would you want to start that one? It is the summer of Steam sales, and I fell for it again. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up Stellaris, a game that is now four years old. Uh, in a bundle, it's uh, it's a 4X like, grand strategy game set in um, the stars, obviously, Stellaris, mm-hmm. right? Um, where you're basically playing a civilization, trying to move throughout the galaxy, um, various wind conditions, kind of civilization in space, sort of, you know, research and military and diplomatic and cultural type objectives that you can kind of pursue mm-hmm. and chase. Um, having a lot of fun with that, taking a lot of time to learn. I had to watch a 45 minute video introducing me to the user interface, oh then watch God. a, f- then play along a 45 minute video covering the first six years of a game that lasts at least 500 years. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, that took me like three hours of play while watching this video while doing it oh <laughs> because I could God. not play it on the highest speed because there were too many things to do. So uh, it had a learning curve, but I am now fully into it. I've I've gotten over the hump, Sally. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Um, I, I was hoping you'd get over that hump because this is a game that I would love to play but never will because of everything you just described about it. <laughs> yeah. um, when you talk about it, it reminds me of how I felt taking the GRE, which was just like overwhelmed out of my depth and feeling like ultimately this is a doomed project. However, it's the kind of game that on paper sounds so awesome to me. And, you know, we we were talking about the the reviews of the game on Steam and the, all the reviewers, first of all, the reviews of that game are works of art. Yes. So the people who like are the kind of people who would play this game are, um, are artists and essayists. Um, but the reviews made it sound like it was like, this is the accessible grand strategy game for people who don't find them accessible. I, I now think that's true. Um, having, oh, having okay. put like, I don't know, 15 hours into it or something now, um, I, I now see the accessibility. Like, I'm over the hump, and I'm just playing the game now. Um, and, like, occasionally I have to, like, stop and, like, Google, why can't I do this thing that I clearly want to do? Like, how do I conquer this planet? <laughs> oh, I need an army, not just a navy. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, but, like, I think what's cool about Stellaris is that it, it really lends itself to the role play type player of, oh, that's cool. you know, I am playing this species that has these ideals. I will make decisions that further those ideals, right? Um, and the game, so unlike Civilization, it also has sort of random events that, that pop up. Um, Mm. and so how you deal with those random events, uh, informs what happens to your civilization, right? So for example, if you deal with a certain random event, you might become like an awakened psychic race. (laughs) You might have a, you know, 
I had a random event that popped up that a wormhole or a black hole was reaching out to me. Um, and it kept eating my scientists that I sent in until eventually, instead of learning to not send in my scientists, I just kept going with it. And I like discovered a, a new religion. Um, that rules. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it has these little story paths that come out of it. Like you yourself as a civilization start out with like kind of a story path of your own. Um, so I went immediately because this is who I am, a bad person. I went and downloaded a mod <laughs> to give myself the Imperium of Mankind for Warhammer 40k, making Amazing. me uh, fanatically xenophobic and militant. <laughs> so my sure. only choice is to just purge every xeno species in the neighborhood. I'm a great neighbor. Um, you know, but like my goal is to like unify the stars, right? Recover lost pieces of like a previous human civilizations and sort of reunite um, at sword point, gunpoint, as it were. Now, is that your goal? Because that's what you've decided for your playthrough is that whenever you play, that is the goal. So, no, no, no. That is the goal of this mod, like, puts that oh, goal in. Okay. Yeah. But, like, I, okay. so I previously, like, played a game without the mod and, like, it had a goal that was recover you know my lost arcology like i had a sister colony ship and i need to find that ship right like okay. that that was the kind of like initiating goal because it gives you kind of like something of a story mission type thing okay. that you can pursue in the meantime so it's it's good like it's a good game like the like there's plenty of youtubers who are like discussing strategy and power gaming in it to try and solve the game at highest difficulties there's also lots of people who just play it for the role play aspect on lower difficulties i am definitely a role player at this point because i don't have yeah. the mastery of the game but it's fun like it's fun to just like wage war like to just pursue research to deal with these problems so um it's it's been a great game i th i think if we can get you over that initial hump of like the buy-in to it i think you would actually really enjoy it but acknowledging yeah, it sounds dope it's a real hump like that that startup yeah. cost is not ignorable <laughs> well as you know i did download civ 6 when it was free on uh like the epic game store or something and the intro tutorial is like at least two hours and you can't save it and come back to it. And like I I that whew, like I, I did it for like 45 minutes, still didn't really feel like I understood that much and was like, can I come back to this? And the game was like, no, you can't. And I was like, well, <laughs> smell you later, yeah. Civ 6. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it's it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? Like and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. what was helpful about watching like a couple YouTube videos was just that it told you where to focus your attention, right? Like these things exist in the game. You don't need them until later. You can figure them out later. Great. <laughs> like, how do I get started? That, that's what I needed right. for Civ Six. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll either try it out at the lowest difficulty or the even lesser difficulty than that, which is just asking you to tell me all about your playthrough. I, I mean, I could just do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. So I think that the games that we're each playing right now is going to be a perfect lead in to our main segment where we talk about the kind of video gamers that we are. Um, I am playing... Of course, Animal Crossing New Horizons, which has uh, just got a new summer update. So you can uh, swim and you can catch sea creatures. It's cute, as is everything in this game. It's very, very, very cute. The best thing, though, Shane, is that when you you dive underwater and you like pick up like kelp and scallops and stuff like that, mm -hmm. when you pick up a scallop, or at least the first time you pick up a scallop, this sea otter this red sea otter just pops up out of nowhere and appears his name is pascal he <laughs> asks you for the scallop and the best thing about him is that he's kind of like a stoner surfer otter so, so um, he's spicoli the the sea otter. so yes exactly he's spicoli the sea otter well played he's definitely wearing like little tiny vans under under the water um and i don't know man like animal crossing you know which i'm very new to it does this Really, you would think, I would think that it wouldn't work or be fun. Uh, this like very, um, like giving these different animals various like cutesy personalities, like the game has a lot of puns in it, but something about it, it's just, it really works. Uh, it's like, I, I was always like, Animal Crossing's not for me. I think it's like a little bit too cute for my taste. But let me tell you, like either my taste is cuter than I thought, or the game is just like doing something right it goes down real easy so <laughs> that's a lot of fun um and then uh i'm also playing a short hike which is um an indie game that came out in 2019 and i got it as part of the um racial justice bundle on itch um 
it's supposed to take like two hours to play through. Um, and it's 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 so cute. It's so cute. You play a bird named Claire, and all you're doing is you're trying to go on this hike to the top of this peak, and you meet other animals and you talk to them. It also has very very funny dialogue. Um, it's kind of self aware as a game. Um, there's like mi- some mini games in there. Um, it's one of these games that's supposed to be very relaxing and very like. Um, there's not there. There's no. Like there, nothing is like locked really. I mean, yeah, there's a couple like no, things are, but no urgency, no. They, there's no urgency. Of, yeah, yeah. You're just you know you you soar around, you climb, you meet other animals, um, you have funny interactions with them. It's supposed to take two hours to play through, but um, as someone who, as I've mentioned before, gets lost really easily, this game is actually kind of my nightmare because I actually can't figure out how to get to the top. <laughs> like I. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is a game that you would someone would be like my my nine year old niece like would love a game that they could finish and play in like a couple hours. This would be the game you would give them, and somehow I'm like stuck. Okay. And it's 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 actually like to the point where you can't even Google for help because no one th- there no one has ever needed or thought anyone else would need help finishing it. So right. there's like nothing even to like read. <laughs> so um, I'm starting to think that like it's um, maybe a patience problem as opposed to like um, some sort of a uh, problem with my intellect. Okay. Although. You know, they're not mutually exclusive, <laughs> certainly. Um, but it's the game is really cute. The music is delightful. It is very relaxing. Um, I, I've probably played it for about two hours, and I would love, <laughs> Shane, for the next time I we record, I would love to be able to say I finished a short hike. Okay. <laughs> but no promises. Uh, but it's really cute. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to kind of working my way through that bundle as well. So I'm like... I, I've got an ever-growing list of games that people are like, oh, this is actually good. <laughs> like, yeah, there's so many. It's like hard to wade through, but I'm like slowly but surely when people tweet an indie game, I look it up, like tweet about it. I look it up to see if it's in the bundle and yeah. that, that's sort of how I how I choose when I apply. Yeah. So speaking of... Uh, the kinds of games we like to play and what we're good at and what we gravitate towards. We're going to talk about Quantic Foundry's gamer motivation profile. Uh, Now, Quantic Foundry is a market research firm, and they collected data from 400,000 gamers and generated uh, what they have sort of uh, deemed as like the six essential key pairs of motivations in uh, that video game players have. Um, we took their survey. We each determined our video game uh, motivation profile. Um, and it's kind of like the Myers-Briggs in that it's not clear to me if it's based on anything particularly. I know there is data science behind it whether there whether there's any other kind of science yeah. it's like not clear <laughs> right yeah. just like um, the myers-briggs it kind of depends on how you respond to the question <laughs> it 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 100 percent does um now shane should we reveal our profiles or should we talk about it and then reveal after so i think i think it's probably more interesting to kind of talk about what the like sort of motivation groups like the parameters of the test are um, and what they mean, cool. like how they've segmented the video game market, because that's really what this comes down to. Um, True. And then we can kind of talk about ourselves and sort of what our like prototypical game is, our representative game of us, if you will. Okay, perfect. I love that. Um, so the their six key pairs of motivations are action, mm-hmm. which which consists of the destruction excitement binary. <laughs> it's it's, it's not a binary. It's, it's, it's a, not really binary. It's, it's, it's more of it's a dyad. <laughs> thank you. Um, social, which consists of the competition community dyad, mastery, which is made up of challenge and strategy, achievement, which is completion and power. Yep. Immersion, which is fantasy and story, and creativity, which is design and discovery. So, I I will just point out like as you take these tests right like the questions are sort of leading you to these categories anyway so like Mm -hmm. like one of the questions i think was like 
do like destroying things in video games. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I mean, I don't know how to answer that really because like, do I just walk around destroying the environment for the sake of breaking every box? Like, no. But also like, is it cool in Battlefield 4 when you like trigger the event that changes the battlefield, you know? And like, right. you know, the bomb goes off and the building collapses. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, who's answering no to that question right, is, exactly. is, is what I was thinking. <laughs> but no, I just like things to stay static, like a Disney masterpiece background. Exactly. Yeah, I that is that that question that you point out is a very crystallization of why th- these kinds of tests are um like limited and and flawed because like what what this what this survey purports to tell you is the kinds of games you will gravitate towards or want to play or enjoy which I I think it does it did make some suggestions of games that I have played and liked or have wanted to play and assume I would like. But the thing that I I feel like it's really getting at is like how you play a given game. Mm -hmm. So like, do I like to blow things up? Like, yeah, when I play Far Cry, you best believe all I'm doing is like aiming a rocket launcher at various things and blowing things up. But like, am I not going to play a game if there isn't a major gameplay component of blowing things up? No. Right. Right. So, you know, it's 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 limited in that way. Um, however, I, I felt that my results were I mean, the, the adjectives that describe me are describe me as a person. <laughs> so I feel like it's pretty accurate <laughs> describing me as a gamer. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there is a certain amount of accepting of the premise that you have to do. Like y- you have to agree that like creativity can be broken down into design and discovery and immersion can be right. broken down into fantasy and story. So, right. you know. Yeah, and if, if those aren't the parameters that you evaluate your game selection on and that happens to be a high component for you, then their recommendations aren't going to be particularly useful. Exactly. Um, exactly. Which, is, which is what I observed. I mean, we can talk about our profiles in a minute, but like I was very high on destruction and excitement, which meant I was high on action all of my recommendations are first-person shooters. Mm. I will never play eight out of nine of their, or nine out of ten of their top recommendations. Like, it's just not going to happen because I don't need to play like the same game in, in thirteen different varieties. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, yeah. I play one shooter that I like per generation. I don't need, you know. So it's like it's a little weird in that regard. Um, you know, I, like another one. So some of the stuff I found interesting was like competition, uh-huh. um, which is obviously like ranked competitive gameplay in like StarCraft or, you know, Overwatch or whatever. But then also like being competitive in regards to like measuring how good you are at the game, even if it's cooperative. Oh, right? So yeah, yeah. like the example was like being acknowledged as the best healer in a guild, right? Which like that strikes me because like I don't get. Like, I realize that I'm not good enough to make anything out of my competitiveness in games. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. like, I need some other kind of competition motivator for me. And that is people trying really hard or, you know, like, just the social aspect of, like, that. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Like, the be the best healer in the guild. That's actually a pretty good motivation for me. That's (laughs) awesome. That that makes a lot of sense. I, um, I admit to skimming the description of competition. And I didn't. I, I was I just saw italicized StarCraft League of Legends or PvP Battlegrounds and World of Warcraft. Um, but that makes a lot of sense to me. And it, it also kind of illuminates. I, I so I um of between competition and community, I ranked very high in community and very low in competition. And the examples um for community are things like um uh like Mario Kart. Uh, at a par- playing Mario Kart at a party, which is like mm-hmm. not a thing, but playing Portal Two with a friend or being part of a large guild slash clan in an online game, that like being part of a team working towards a common goal is is a very me thing. I find that to be so much fun. Like playing games online against people, it like kind of makes me want to die. But playing games online with people, whether it's like um don't starve together or divinity original sin 2 or even um, minecraft dungeons you know it's just like it, it, you're hanging out with a friend but you're playing a game and so um right. that that felt very accurate for me yeah yeah the, the last sentence of that one was uh 
for them, games are an integral part of maintaining their social network, which felt very true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so do you want to say anything else about the the uh, data itself before we like move into our our results? Uh, yeah, so there were there were two other things that I noticed in here that I found interesting. One was discovery as a as a parameter of creativity. Um, which was the idea that like you are a player who gets into a game and then just constantly asks what if and pushes the boundaries of how the game works, mm-hmm. right? Um, like they're the the people who go through and do all the experimentation with different permutations of like formulae and things like that in order to determine how to do things, mm-hmm. and then they write the wiki about it, presumably because. I am one of those people who's looking at the wiki. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So as like as I read that, I was like, oh yeah, those people exist. I don't understand them at all. <laughs> totally. So are, w- remind me, are those the people who are also like trying to almost like find the limits of like the environment and like the assets in the game and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're they're looking at like they're they're playing the game in the loosest sense, right? Yeah. As much as they are just exploring the engine of the game totally okay yeah i um you know a lot of times when i'm like playing a game i'll be like i wonder what would happen if i tried like i wonder if the developers thought of what would happen if someone tried to like do this thing which you're certainly not intended to do i I never pursue it because i'm like very interested in the story and i don't want to stop pursuing the story of the game so i don't ever try that stuff um which you know you know is very much um a, a me way of playing a game like I I'm almost I think that I am so, I'm so paying su- such close attention to the story or the characters that I'm actually um not noticing some of the like broader environmental things that are going on which I I think these discovery people it's almost like the main point for them right yeah yep um and then the other one was was actually story um as a parameter because like the the games that they use as examples were really telling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon Age and Mass Effect, two franchises known for their story that is you know beloved by fans, mm-hmm. uh, and then also thoughtful narratives in games like The Last of Us and Bioshock, mm-hmm. which I I see the I see the similarities in like how people enjoyed the story, but to me those are such different games that like linking them by story is almost like almost like pointless Mm -hmm. right like just because you like the last of us and i did a lot does not mean you're going to finish a an 80 hour like open ish world rpg like dragon age Mm -hmm. set in a fantasy setting right or any jrpg for that matter right right? yeah (laughs) and like that's the part of this that blows my mind is like is that really a useful metric then because like I will never touch a JRPG regardless of the story because it's too long. Right, like, right. Yeah. I can't even finish FF7 remake. So I didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I totally I think that this is the kind of thing. This reminds me so much of the Myers-Briggs where some things are so right on that it's eerie and other things are like, wait, you're not even measuring the right thing and how can the same test like contain those two things? The when you yeah. when you look at the the like PDF on the Quantic Foundry website that like it tells you a little bit more about these key, whatever these are called, these pairs. Um, they define story as a web of human drama. And they, um, you know, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Life is Strange, Persona 4. Yes, web of human drama. However, like like you're saying, Shane, I think that most people, if you said, Sally, what kind of games do you like? I would say, well, web of human drama games. Like I, I, I wouldn't, I would not say that as much as I would say like, oh, you know, like I like like RPGs. I like um, like I like some visual novel. You know, it's like people tend to, I think, um, think about games in terms of like genre versus like thematically what the game is doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, unless there are people out there who are like, I mean, like I think of myself as someone who really likes deep stories in games but with the caveat that it has to be the kind of game i want to play you know right yeah Um, i i want that story within the framework of the game type that i like exactly (laughs) right and that like so it's a that's a weird motivation to me like because it's 
to me, for, for me personally, like that is a secondary motivation, right? Like given two options within, you know, like you said, 4X, right? Mm-hmm. Or within hero shooters, would I prefer the one with a story? Sure. <laughs> but like, am I going to get the biggest, best story game out there? Which is probably going to be hundreds of hours in a genre I don't really want to play that much in? No. Yeah. <laughs> so is it really a motivation for me? Like maybe in a marketing sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but not in a not to me as a as a gamer, is that a useful metric? I yeah. don't know. So that was interesting. And maybe that's just because I'm middling on the on the story score. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, should we talk about our profile results? Yeah, uh, we can probably link to our results too, right? Oh, if anybody's true. curious, we can. read more about us. Yeah. Um, so my gamer motivation profile. So I'll just read the adjectives, um, and then we'll, we can talk more about it in depth. So my gamer motivation profile: calm, spontaneous, relaxed, gregarious, deeply immersed, and expressive. I love gregarious. <laughs> yeah, I, it's amazing. So like I, uh, it's funny because I think of myself as like I can fake being gregarious, but I'm not actually, but I can fake it so well that people probably think I'm gregarious. But so these adjectives actually, it, for all of the problems with like the pairs and like the limits of the pairs, I feel like these do really accurately describe the way I interact with anything, including video games. Yeah, I, I think gregarious is just a bad word for like joyful is how I would describe Interesting. like okay. how you approach games, right? <laughs> like, like, and I, I could see like that's a little bit gregarious, but like I, I think gregarious is such a social term. It is, yeah, right? uh, yeah. And, like that that isn't necessarily like like Animal Crossing. Well, I guess that is kind of a social game. That is, kind I don't of know. Uh, my time at Porsche, right? Like, yeah. was just as joyful for you having zero social interaction at all, I would say that would fall under gregarious as a as a game type for you. Yeah. Like as a motivation there. I think you're right. I think probably enthusiastic is probably the more yeah. like appropriate <laughs> word here. Yeah. Yeah. Just love it. I just love games. I just love games. I'm just excited for the ride. I mean, honestly, <laughs> even when I don't like a game and I'm really mad about it, I love to be mad about it and talk about how mad I am about it. So a gre- gregariousness in all things, I say. I think what's really interesting about your profile is that um, so so the way they've laid these out visually is there's like a, a hexagon with one of these um, uh, motivation groups on each um, on each vertex, and your immersion vertex is eighty six percent. Nothing else is above thirty. So yeah. <laughs> you are so deep on immersion, and yet all of those words in your gamer motivation profile were not like deeply immersed, but none of the others are related to immersion at all. So I thought that was really interesting how low you were in other categories. Yeah, I I really am. And and like, I think, um, you know, yeah, I mean, we'll talk in in a little bit like what the essential like us games are. But I think that this, you know, for all of the problems that we talked about, it does predict what I would say are like my absolute favorite games to play pretty well, which is like, you know, games that are like extremely high on immersion and everything else basically doesn't matter. Like, right. <laughs> it could maybe just be a book or a movie and that would also be fine with me. <laughs> uh, so Shane, how about you? And then we can kind of like dig a little bit deeper into like what it said in the games that it recommended for us. Sure. So mine are action oriented, proficient, ambitious, social and practical. Um, and while all of those terms are, other than I guess social, are pretty much the opposite of yours, I, I think it's notable that I was higher in just about every category than you, except for creativity and immersion. I was yeah. higher in every other single category than you were. Yeah. Um, like significantly, like all of mine, immersion was over 60%. Um, mastery, social, action were all over 70%. Um, social was 95%. <laughs> uh for an introvert, that's a weird, that's a weird thing to read on a screen. <laughs> yeah, you you're um. It's funny because like even just like the shape on the on the hexagon that sort of indicates um, kind of how many of these different pairs are significant for you. Mine is just it. It's like an arrow. Mine is just like a little tiny like triangle mostly pointing to immersion and like dipping a tiny bit into creativity and social whereas yours is like just a much bigger broader shape that is like you know you're you're it's pulling in 
just a bunch of things that are important to right. you as a gamer or like predicting right. are important to you as a gamer. Right. I I actually have this kind of weird profile, I think, where from a marketing perspective, it's almost useless because I just like everything, but I mm -hmm. like everything in specialized doses. Like I like certain aspects, so I go to certain games for that aspect. Oh, okay. Right? Like, yeah. When I want to feel competitive, I play a game that's good for competitive. When I when I want to relax, I play a different type of game. Right. Mm -hmm. I almost never want to be creative in a game. <laughs> yeah. I guess I do enough of that otherwise, but um, I certainly like that one rings the truest for me, the 15% creativity, because like I spend zero time like exploring mechanics and 100% of the time just Googling it because somebody else has already done the work. Why do it again? That's amazing. Um, but so, but Shane, regarding creativity, um, are you someone who, when you make a character in a game, um, that you can customize. Is that a thing that you care about or spend time doing? Oh yeah, definitely. Like that's, I think all of my points in creativity came from that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It was like 7% discovery, 38% design. And I, I think it was all just like, yeah, because th aesthetics are often the only thing I control in a game. So, you know, if it's all just random rolling anyway, like I'll take the aesthetic control, please. Thank you. Totally. Um, so I think the biggest discrepancy um, between the two of us might be mastery. Um, yeah. Where I I got 11%, which means that 89% of gamers are enjoy mastery more than I do. Um, and you got 84%. Um, and I think it'd be interesting. So, so gamers with high mastery scores like challenging gaming experiences with strategic depth and complexity. Gamers with low mastery scores enjoy being spontaneous in games and prefer games that are accessible and forgiving when mistakes are made. I mean, that put that on my tombstone, accessible and forgiving <laughs> when mistakes are made. Um, how do you feel about your high strategy uh, rank? Like, does that make sense to you? Yeah, that that does. Uh, so I was 94% strategy, 58% challenge, um, which is to say that I don't necessarily need it to be difficult. I just need it to be deep. Mm -hmm. um so like and i <laughs> it's one of those things i struggled with in the last of us was like i really don't want to do this fight again the 15th time to make sure that i get through it but like also i'll sit there and just like from a mastery perspective like i'll restart this because i think i use too many resources and i could do it better totally right so like if i can't proceed like I get very frustrated very quickly. Like, so the challenge thing is completely accurate, but at the same time, like the strategy and mastery aspect of it, like if I'm going to do it, I want to do it as good as I can. Like I just hate wasting things. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's interesting. Like uh, when bringing up the last of us, because so the, the games that it talks about for challenge um, are things like devil may cry three world of Warcraft, dark souls, Monster Hunter, and then for strategy, Civilization Series, XCOM, Fire Emblem, Kerbal Space Program. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's interesting to think about a game like The Last of Us and where it would, um, like how it would engage you either challenge-wise or strategy-wise, even though it's clearly not one of these games. It's not meant to be a strategy game. Like how can you bring that thing that you enjoy to a game that, on its face doesn't isn't really about challenge or strategy uh yeah i mean I, I that's that's a weird thing because like there is a depth to the last of us right like the gameplay isn't isn't necessarily solved in every scenario and that's one of the nice things about how those encounters are set up and maybe i've got rose-colored glasses for the first game because i just finished the second mm -hmm. um but I, I felt like i was constantly using new tricks and like exploring new tools to get done based on what was in front of me and mm -hmm. what I had in my bag basically. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I didn't have arrows. I had to do something else. You know, I, I couldn't do it stealthy. I needed to go loud. How was I going to do that? Um, which, yeah, I mean, that's where those strategy elements came in for it for me. And that's why I was willing to keep doing the same encounters over and over and over again for 30 hours in the last of us too. <laughs> It's so funny because um, we both really like The Last of Us 2, but we could not 
play games more differently. Like no. <laughs> I, I, I'm like so urgently just trying to progress in the story because I want to know what happens that I'm almost like there are definitely things about the game because we were both like we were chatting on Discord as we were both playing. There were things that like I never would have even like noticed were things if you hadn't mentioned them. Like you mentioned just like a couple things about like how you were um you know, when you get supplements, you can kind of specialize, you, you unlock skills. I don't remember the language of the game, but you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can choose between stealth and other things. Um, and you were talking about like the things that you're choosing for that and what weapons you were choosing for different things. And I don't even like, my, I, I was like equipping, I would equip whatever I could like most quickly equip and then like try to use it effectively. And then uh-huh. if it didn't work a few times, I'd be like, obviously this, the game wants me to do something different here. Let me try a different weapon. And I would like try it again. But, um, I, I'm like so focused on just like getting to the next thing that I'm, I'm not even noticing things about the gameplay. <laughs> that's so that's like, there's little micro strategies that come from playing grand strategy games, right? Like, uh, for example, when you're picking up resources, if you have, you know, two and a half uh, alcohol in your inventory, then the, the cap is three, and you you stumble across a full alcohol, well, you should build something with with that uses an alcohol mm-hmm. so you can pick up the whole thing, right? Totally. Or like I would swap weapons and use suboptimal weapons just because I didn't want to sit on full ammo and miss ammo pickups. <laughs> you know, like I can sense. take three shots with this gun because I'm probably going to find three bullets between now and the next time I need to use it. So I better use it while I can. Um, whereas like, you know, you could easily also play the game only using the shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's going to be harder because you're going to have to like improvise a lot more. Um, so yeah, like there's just stuff like that. Like I just, just gravitate towards it. So like I build the strategy out of whatever it is, even if that isn't the focus of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, can we talk about your action score, please? Yes, let's do that. Let me open that Because you, you had 13% on action, but that was 1% excitement and 61% destruction. (laughs) Sally, what are you hiding? I know. I know. I mean, if the FBI ever got a hold of this, like, um, personality profile i mean so here's the thing it says they enjoy games with lots of guns and explosives they gravitate towards titles like call of duty and battlefield and if they accidentally find themselves in games like the sims they are the ones who figure out innovative ways to get their sims killed none of those could describe me less um however I will say there's another sentence in this description that says they love having many tools at their disposal to blow thi- to blow things up and cause relentless mayhem now Given the option in a game of like having an explosive or not having an explosive, blowing something up and not blowing something up, you goddamn best believe I'm blowing something up. Now, that, w- that was a question, right? It was like, do you yeah. like blowing stuff up? And I was like, fuck yeah, I like blowing stuff up. But that isn't like, it doesn't motivate me. <laughs> like, right. It's I, just I'm just fun. I'm not Googling like video games where I get to blow stuff up. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever played Call of Duty or Battlefield. I've played The Sims and, the innovative ways to get their sims killed creeps me out. Um, but the th- I will say that, like, I-, I just think about, like, playing Far Cry with my brother and how all we do is, like, it's basically, it's we play it in co-op, but it's a competition to see who can, like, blow something up before the other person can blow it up. <laughs> um, and, you know, even in The Last of Us 2, like, it's so, it was so much fun to, like, throw Molotov cocktails at zombies and to throw the little like mines and or you know set the mines um it's just like yeah man it's just really satisfying like put my brain in a fmri machine and like you know tell me why or whatever <laughs> or like get an evolutionary biologist on here to tell me why we like blowing stuff up but like who's not blowing stuff up you know what i'm saying right <laughs> um but i don't want to play any of these games meanwhile one percent excitement sally one percent one percent I don't. I just want boring games. I, I want slow, to be boring bored. games. I, again, I want to read. I want a video game that essentially feels like I'm reading a book. I mean, when I was when I was playing Disco Elysium, I was like not reading very much, and I was like, man, I should get back to reading. And then I was like, wait, but this game is kind of like reading, so I am reading a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, games that are really fast paced and intense. So the, it says gamers who score high on this component enjoy games that are fast-paced, intense, and provide a constant adrenaline rush. I, they want to be surprised. They want gameplay that is full of action and thrills and rewards them for rapid reaction times. I don't like any of that. I don't want to be thrilled or surprised. And in fact, 
when I'm playing a game that has some sort of a mini game that requires a rapid reaction time, I switch the difficulty to the easiest thing so I can just get done and be through that part of the game. <laughs> uh, um, so give me no excitement. That was... That was the thing that people used to do in some of the EA games was like drop their difficulty as soon as they went into like the training mini games that are stupid hard and then raise it back up when they go to play the real game against AI. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm I'm here for it. I mean, anytime I play a game that has a chase or a race, which I hate, I um I turn the difficulty all the way down because I just like want to be done with it. Um Yeah, that's, no, that's interesting. No shame. Um what else? Anything else we you, we want to call out on our specific scores here? Uh, just that we both had extremely low completion scores, which I find very fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't get the sense that either of us are one to revisit a game if we've already played it, unless like we really, really love the story. Yeah, that is totally accurate. Um, the one game I've ever gotten 100% on on PS4 is Spider-Man. I collected every single thing. I did every single mission, um, every single side mission, every all the DLC, um, because it was so much fun to play that I couldn't stop playing it. But like, I generally can't be bothered um, with completion, whether it's completion of missions or completion of uh, collecting things. Like, um, if something is in my way, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do it, but otherwise pretty much not. Yeah, like, I mean, with The Last of Us or like Uncharted, for me, it's like, if I catch it the first time through the level, great, I'll pick it up. But I'm never going back to like, try to find those things. I'm never reading a guide to where they are. Mm -mm. Like, nope. No, Um, no. And, you know, I I hear like podcasters and stuff talking about like going back through a game, like reloading parts of a game to like find the things they missed. And I just can't imagine ever wanting to do it. But I don't care about trophies. And I know some people do. Um but the thing is, too, is that like in the I feel like it has to be rewarding, like in The Last of Us 2, the things you find are really cool and tell stories and are interesting for the most part. There's some stuff that's like kind of but like, <laughs> like um, the coins, like the coins. Like I, I was basically like when I was playing as, oh, I guess we shouldn't spoil it. Some of the collectibles are really cool. Some are really boring. Um, and yeah, cards, cool coins, lame. Yeah. Done Play the done. game, you'll know you'll know when they when they switch. Exactly. But you know, the Uncharted games are an example of I think the collectibles are pretty boring. Um it's like yes. you you know, you get this like uh you get an uh, like an artifact and sometimes like learn a fact about it, but they don't do anything and it doesn't really add to the story at all. Right. They're completely useless. Like totally. In fact, they just slow you down because then you have to go into the menu to clear the stupid ping on your screen. Right. Whereas like in The Last of Us, you get these notes, you get these little stories, you get these little vignettes of the world that was or the world that has been. Um, yeah, no, it's it's well used in The Last of Us. It's horrible in Uncharted. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, they were pretty fun in Spider-Man. I don't, not fun enough to... Um, to justify me actually collecting all of those things, but fun enough uh, that I wanted to. I, I will make an exception for open world RPGs, though, which is if there are items in the world that increase my power for some reason, I will hunt them down on the internet and then go hunt them down in-game. So yeah. like, I will collect all of the uh, the special statues in Fallout or like go hunt down the unique guns or unique weapons or whatever it is. Like, I'll do that type of collecting for sure. But the, uh, you know, the collecting things just 100% it, that ain't me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we both had, so I think my power was like 56% and yours was like in the 90s, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely, um, that, that like gaining power, gaining skill be, and becoming, um, the, getting the highest rank you can get in whatever the thing is that helps you like kill things better or go faster, that is definitely a treasure hunt I want to go on always. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, my last question for you is, do you feel that your adjectives, which are action-oriented, proficient, ambitious, social, and practical, do you feel they describe you as a person? I feel like they very much describe me as a person. It's annoying. Yeah, I know. I, I Yeah, I mean, when I saw your, your adjectives, I was like, that's Shane, all right. Um, you know and I felt that way about mine too so maybe this is just the Myers-Briggs maybe it's not even Myers-Briggs for video games yeah I got marketed so hard in this survey 
Yeah, yeah. They market research the hell out of us. Um, what is the ultimate Shane game? So I, I thought about this long and hard. Uh, I think it's FIFA. A okay. game that I, I play a couple times per generation, usually on console, um, but I play deep in like management seasons. Sometimes I'll create a player and then make them a manager. Um, but I I really like, like it starts with, I at whatever difficulty, I learn how to beat the AI, right? Playing the game. And then I start managing the game. And then I want to like start breaking the simulation aspect of the game. Um, so it like, it goes from like the excitement sphere through the like mastery and like into achievement and like the social component is, I guess, a little bit limited, but I think like there is a level of competition in FIFA too, of just like, can you accomplish this thing? Right. And there's a community of people who role play their FIFA seasons and things like that, that like, I'm not super on the inside of, but like, I definitely Mm -hmm. acknowledge. So, um, yeah, I, I think FIFA is actually the game. And it's funny because I'm not currently playing FIFA. And it wasn't crystallized for me until I played Football Manager, which is just the management mode of FIFA without any of the controller mashing player like aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's too much. <laughs> it's, like, it's too much. That's so funny. You went too deep, Football Manager. Yeah, um, that game I think would probably make me shed tears. It sounds uh, incredibly the opposite of me. Yeah, I, I use spreadsheets for FIFA, and I'm even I'm like, this is too deep. <laughs> like, That's incredible. Um, so what's, what's your archetypal Sally game then? So I would say that the ultimate Sally game would be um, Telltale's The Walking Dead, that whole mm-hmm. series, which I... I love so much and I I love many games that I've played, but whenever I think about the game that I connected with most in terms of the story and the characters, which again is like according to this market research survey, the thing that's most important to me, it always comes down to that. Um you know, the thing that that game is offering you is immersion. It's offering you story, it's offering you um the uh, Uh, being taken away to become someone else and be in another place um, Mm -hmm. and be another person in that place. The character arcs are interesting and deep, um, interesting backstories, complex relationships. And that is like the extent of what that game offers, right? Like it, you know, it's a point and click game. There's some QTEs. um, And, you know, it's like, the the thing that apparently is the only thing I care about in video games, according to this, is immersion. And truly, like, I don't know why you're playing Telltale's The Walking Dead for any reason other than the story and the characters right. and the immersion. Like, you yep. know, there's, you know, there's no, um, I mean, there's actually, I really like the music. I think the the soundtrack is, like, really lovely. But, like, you're mostly just, like, who are these people and what happens to them? Um, right. And that that game just like really does it for me. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's 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 it. And there are other Telltale games that I feel similarly about, but The Walking Dead is kind of is kind of it for me. It's a video game. It's a video game you can read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Clementine is still your uh, your phone background, isn't she? Yep, she's my phone background. Um, I've often considered buying the baseball cap that she wears there are people who sell it on etsy and i've come very close to buying it i never have Um, (laughs) so stay tuned for that i guess let's uh in an expeditious way talk about something that we are excited about right now will you kick us off shane Uh, I'm excited about the PS5. Uh, It is ugly. I think it will look terrible on shelves in public spaces where video game consoles go now. Um, I don't know if anybody told PS, like PlayStation or Sony about this, but like people don't just put their consoles in the kids room anymore. Um, It sits in the living room right there on main. And if it looks like a toy, it looks stupid. So it won't be in my living room, um, but I'll figure out something when they come up with a black version, I guess. Um, But I'm excited about ray tracing. Um, so it's a thing that has like, it's the next leap forward in visuals for games. Um, it's a thing that has been released by NVIDIA on PC that was very poorly supported at first. And now that it is coming to consoles, it will be way more supported because it can, you can easily like 
port them between console and PC version. So that's going to be a huge leap for the visuals in PS5. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I've been reading a lot about the PS5, not necessarily because I'll have one at launch, but because that will inform what the next generation of games, like sort of their baseline is. Um, and then PC gaming will obviously go some 40 to 60% above that um, because it's anchored by you know, the next step up in consoles. Um, one thing that I was reading about was that there is also going to be onboard 3D audio for the PS5, um, which is great, uh, except it's proprietary to Sony, which I guess we'll see. Um, hopefully it's worth it doing it in like Dolby Atmos and the Sony proprietary version um, and that we get more 3D audio in games because that's another place where games can do a lot more. <laughs> um, one of the things that I used a lot in The Last of Us was... 3d sound right um like that really enhances the game in a lot of ways and actually makes gameplay better because uh, you can tell what direction to be looking in that okay. you couldn't always do before i was gonna ask you is 3d audio exactly what it sounds like and it sounds like it yeah. is yeah yeah it's basically creating 3d space simulation around you through two two headphones right that rules um, yeah as long as you don't need special headset or whatever and or or special effort on the developer's part in order to support it it's great um if you need those things it becomes connect and nobody wants to do it <laughs> yeah nobody wants that um yeah i'm psyched for it too also don't think i'll get it at launch but um and i agree that it is so fugly i cannot i don't know what they're thinking i i, I literally yeah i mean they must be about to they're going to release a black version is my only thought at some point and yeah. then it's fine right it's uninspired and boring which is what the xbox series x looks like which is what a console should look like in the year of our lord 2020 i agree <laughs> there someone should probably start a business where they just create cases or skins or something for ps5s that make it look like something that an adult would want to have in their living room now all those creative people are too busy creating memes out of its current look <laughs> that's a, that's a great point which we the memes are more important let's be honest right um the thing I am excited about is a podcast that is called Alba Salix Royal Physician uh I found it when I was just like goofing around in uh, Pocket Cast's Discover, I was trying to find something new to listen to that was like gonna be sort of light but also uh immersive <laughs> uh so is that like a an audio drama or so it's an audio drama it's like a fic it's like audio fiction and okay. it's it's about uh this like fantasy fairy tale kingdom uh and alba salix is the the physician to the court basically um it's it's funny it's um it's i would say it's like family friendly um and the characters are goofy and fun. The setting, it, you know, it's a fantasy setting. It's like, mm -hmm. it kind of, it scratches the itch for me of actual play podcasts, um, which, you know, I will dabble in every now and again, but um, have never really taken for me. But it's like, it's nice because you get to be in this fun fairy tale world and the actors, the voice actors have created this, this cool world and these funny characters. Um, and it's just kind of, it's kind of goofy. It's just sort of like the... Uh, the, the the trials and tribulations of of Alba Salix and uh, the people in her world. Um, and each episode is like ten or fifteen minutes. They're very bite sized. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're they're but they feel substantive. It it you really feel like you're getting an installment of the story every time you listen. Um, and then there also was kind of a spinoff uh, in the same feed that I I am also really into that I'm listening to as well um, about a tavern that's owned by a troll um anyway they're really funny uh the 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 like the audio effects are really good like you feel like you're in the place um highly recommend it it's made by a um by a bunch of i don't know i feel like bad saying a bunch of canadians but for some reason that's what wants to come out of my mouth oh it's because they're a gaggle uh that's the uh, yeah <laughs> that's the group now yeah, it's made by a gaggle of Canadians. Um, so yeah, it's Alba Salix, A-L-B-A-S-A-L-I-X. And it's just some real good light listening for when you can't sleep in the middle of the night like me. Awesome. Okay, we did it. That is it for this episode. Please rate us and review us on iTunes and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Co-op Mood Pod with no punctuation. And you can follow me, Shane, at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. 
And you can follow me at Sally T. And you can and should definitely email us at coopmoodpod at gmail.com. And you can find us and other gaming podcasts on the OneShot Network at oneshotpodcast.com. Co-op Mood is produced by Shane and Sally. Edited by Lucas. Our music is Pixel Squirrel by Espresso Music. Logo design by Emily Cardamus.